Check, check, four, seven. Where are now? Good? Okay, great, perfect. I don't know how I'm going to share announcements for 30 minutes, but I'm going to do my best, okay? So I'm just going to start making stuff up. No, no, I am glad to be here to bring the message. Eric, because he's Eric, talked to me in the summer about this. You know, he's just always way too ahead of the game. So he pulls me aside and he's, he's, he brings us up way back in the summer. And I was stoked. Immediately I was stoked. And I said, awesome. You know, let's start praying now. Let's start game planning what it is that God wants to bring, you know. So I started praying and just seeking the Lord saying, what's, what's he want me to say? Uh, and he led me to the story of Gideon, which is one of my favorite stories of all time. So I kind of got a little practice run in city rescue mission. So some of you guys were there. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different than that, though. So I think you'll take something home a way that's uh, a little bit different. Because one of the things that scripture does, he teaches us new stuff all the time. And, and, and this is one of the stories I, I, I could read over and over again and learn something different every time. Especially the story of Gideon, it's about, it's about identity, it's about purpose, it's about overcoming fear, it's about finding strength, all these different things. But what I really think the story of Gideon is teaching us and teaching everyone, and kind of the heart of this story is that you're called to be mighty. You're called to be mighty, and that can be a scary thought. That can be hard to believe. And we're like, you know what, Ian, I, I don't know. And we're going to get through that. We're going we're gonna to trek through that. But that's kind of the heart of what this is all about and what the story of Gideon is all about is becoming mighty and knowing that you're called to be mighty. So would you fill up your Bibles open to Judges chapter 6? And we're actually going to be reading in chapter 6 and in chapter 7. And while you flip there, let me go ahead and pray for us. God, we love you. You are mighty. You are strong and powerful. God, I believe that uh, you have a word for every heart here. And that word may be different for each heart, but God, I pray that every heart is just softened to you and softened to your word and what you're going to say. Uh, Lord, I pray that no voice is heard other than your own. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. When I was in, uh, when I was in seventh grade, this is the only time I ever played competitive basketball, okay? And I, I, played, I played on the Delcrest Falcons team, and we are horrible, just awful. Uh, I think we may have won one or two games. And... And it, 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 it's, it, it's kind of the worst to be on like a losing team who's always terrible, but it's even worse to be like the worst player on that team. And that was me. So I would, I would get like, you know, one minute a game, one to two minutes. And it was after the game was well decided. Uh, and I would like foul out in like two minutes. Like I just whacked people and, and just, I was horrible. And I took one shot all season. And I'll remember this shot for the rest of my life. I took one shot all season. It was about a 13 foot baseline jumper on the right side. I caught the ball, and, the, and the, the minute's running down, but the game's over, you know, but it's still like five, four, three, two, one. You feel like this is it. This is all the fame. This is all the glory right now. It comes down to this shot, and we, we were losing. Home game, though, and my bench was right behind me, and I catch the ball, and immediately I'm looking to pass. I got to get rid of this thing. I, I, I'm, somehow I'm going to foul someone. I'm, I, I got to get rid of it. And the, the team's behind me, five, four, three, and they're like, shoot it, Ian, shoot it. Like, you got it, you got it, five, four. I'm like, all right, square my shoulders, square my, I got it. Pull up, it, it dangles in and out, just like that. It, just, it does one of these numbers, flies out. I know, I felt robbed. Oh, Lord, come on, man, I've prayed, I've read. This is my time, and you took it away from me. It was, it was embarrassing, it hurt, and that's the only shot I took. I, after that, I lost all confidence. It was terrible. And I tell you this story, so now you have something else to make fun of me about, but Really, I tell you this story because it reminds me a lot of Gideon. 
Gideon finds himself in a, a peculiar situation very similar to this. And before we dive into Gideon, let me give you some backstory about what's going on with this. So Gideon is an Israelite. And for the past seven years, they have been in captivity uh, and they've been basically just being tormented. They've been being robbed. They're being oppressed by these people called the Midianites and some surrounding people of the Midianites. But really, the Midianites are the people really oppressing Israel. So bad, Israelites are hiding in caves. They're hiding in holes. When they farm, they, they take this big harvest. The Midianites would come and then take all of it. So the Israelites are working so hard. They're getting all this stuff. They're, they're, they're slaving away all their crops. And the Midianites would come and they just take it all away. So the Israelites are kind of in a tough situation. And it's in this seven years of, of struggle and oppression that we meet Gideon. So if you have your Bibles, Gideon or Judges chapter 6, I'll read 11 through 27, but it'll also be up on the screen. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us not, uh, uh, and has uh, lost my place, and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midians, Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my presence and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and said to him, uh, or, and pour the broth over them. And he, and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out uh, with the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat of unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that this was the angel of the Lord and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not be afraid. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizrites. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and, put, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with the stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering uh, with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took, his, took the ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and of the men in the town to do it by day, he did it by night. That was a long passage. We'll discuss it though. So 
So Gideon, we find Gideon, he's beating wheat in a wine press. This is not traditional. You would not do that in a wine press. But again, Gideon's full of fear. He's hiding from the Midianites. He doesn't want to beat all this wheat and, and get this produce and then just get it robbed away from him. So he's hiding. So we literally catch Gideon. This is the first time we're introduced to him. We find him in total fear because he, he, he's, he's scared. He's totally scared. He knows that this is probably just going to be taken away from me. And without getting into too much detail, because we don't have time, this angel of the Lord that's appearing to Gideon, a lot of scholars, and, and, and you could probably deduce just from the way it's worded in here, but this angel of the Lord, a lot of scholars would say this is probably just God himself showing up in some angelic form, or it's Jesus uh, before he had a, a human body. But either way, it, it's clear this angel is a lot more important than just some, some angel. And it's very clear uh, uh, that the Lord, through this vessel, is calling Gideon mighty. He says that you are a mighty man of valor. Later, he says, go in this might of yours. This is a pretty bold thing uh, to say to, to Gideon. And, and he's pretty doubtful. Gideon's like, yo, I'm the least capable for this job. You heard him say, uh, my clan is the least in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. And you want me to save Israel. Of all the people here, you want me, Gideon, to save Israel. Imagine me, Ian, seventh grade. I'm off. There's no way we made it to state. But let's just say we're at the state championship. I'm coming off the bench. It's the last minute, and it's like a close game. And the coach is like, hey, we're going to drop a play, and you're going to take the last shot. Yeah, coach, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm 0 for 1, and I foul out a lot. Coach, I, I'm, the, I'm the least capable guy for this job. You don't want to drop a play for me to take this shot, right? We, we doubt that I'd have the ability to do this. And Gideon's in this boat, right? Gideon's like, hey, God, my track record's not looking good. You know, I, I'm the least, I have the least clan and I'm the least in my father's house. I mean, I'm the bottom of the food chain. I, I'm, I'm not the guy. You're using this word mighty, but I don't know. So this, this is where Gideon is. And, and it, sounds, it sounds discouraging to read about someone like Gideon, but I find a lot of encouragement in this, this particular part of this story because we see that uh, Gideon's been confirmed twice. We see Gideon being confirmed twice that he's, he's called mighty, but Gideon still doubts. The Lord himself, God himself has called Gideon mighty, but Gideon's like, well, if then, if then you are this angel and I'm, I'm mighty and I'm powerful, then, then show me this. You got to prove this to me. I'm doubtful. Like, even in this calling, he's, he's not very mighty. He's not very confident. He won't take this. So, so we see Gideon uh, really struggling and really struggling. And, and later we're going to read a passage or we're going to we'll skip through a passage. But we see Gideon test God again. He's still scared. And so what I find encouragement in this is even while the, the Lord is calling Gideon mighty, we see that becoming mighty is a process. Becoming mighty takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. And, th and that's my first point of this, of this if you want a three-point sermon, that's kind of the first point of today is that becoming mighty is a process. And we live in a world where if you want something, you get it. You want food, you go get it. If you want new clothes, you go get it. it it's all just instant gratification. But we're called to be mighty, and that's pretty evident. But we have to kind of understand that it's just going to take time. It's not just going to happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight for Gideon. Uh, and I, I doubt that it's going to happen overnight for us. Again, later, we'll see that he still fears uh, and he still doubts and he still questions God, even though God's totally affirmed him at that point three times. And I get where Gideon's coming from. I totally get it. 
if I was in his position, which I kind of was, right? Man, I'm just not, I'm not the guy for this. I'm not, I'm not suited to know this, but the key here is this, and this would be kind of point two, is that to, to become mighty, you have to know where your might comes from. Becoming mighty means knowing where your might comes from. See, Gideon, he couldn't find might in this social definition of himself or the political definition of himself. What the world says, Gideon, you're the least. You're nothing. You come from nothing. You're, you're the least, you have the least clan and you're, you're the least in your family. There's no way you're going to be able to pull this off. This is what the world is telling Gideon. This is what he accepts himself. And I'm not going to sit here in front. You're not going to be mighty if that's the kind of outlook that you have. And the world's vile and it's toxic and it's poisonous. And this is what the world will say. It's just going to beat you down and beat you down. But we have to remove the identity that, so, that, that, that society would give us or that politically we'd say, this is what I, I'm, I'm not that good. I'm not that strong. I'm not that powerful. When God's giving you a whole new identity, he's saying, no, but you are mighty. You're a mighty man of valor. He says, go in this might of yours to save Israel. This is what he says to Gideon. Get, this is tough. This is a crazy thing. But see, I really do believe that when we, we access the might that God is giving us and the identity that God is giving us and not the identity that we, we would say that we'd cast on ourselves or that people would cast on ourselves, it's in this that we kind of really start to own this process of becoming mighty. When or three, two years ago, three years ago, I had the opportunity to go to China over Christmas break, which is just scary. It was a 20-day 20, 20 uh, mission trip in China, and I would miss Christmas with my family. Um, it was a scary deal. I remember when it was first brought up to me, I was like, yeah, no way. No way. I, I don't know. I don't know Mandarin out of the language. I don't know the culture. I don't know the people. I don't even know the people that I'm going with. It was like with a different, a different group that I didn't know at all. I only knew the leader. I said, you know, I think you got the wrong guy. I, I don't think that this is, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all down to do mission trips and stuff, but I haven't even been on a plane for more than like four hours. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not for this. And it wasn't until I sat down with the leader and he sat me down and he just spoke life. He spoke life into me. He encouraged me. He said, Ian, I get that it's scary. And I get that it's tough. But you're capable and you're equipped. Man, if you accept, it was in the summer, so I had some time. But he sat down and he's like, man, if we do this, 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 like, you're going to be ready to go. You can handle this. You're, you're, you're able. And right when, I had, right when I accepted that, that identity, this new identity that someone else was giving me, was like, hey, man, you can do this. You don't have to sit here and believe and tell yourself that you can't because that's not true. It was right when that happened that I was like, okay, you know what, maybe, maybe I can do this. Maybe this isn't so far-fetched. And this is the same thing that's happening happening to Gideon. In fact, let me read this, uh, this text uh, in, in Judges chapter 6. Let me find it again. Judges chapter 6. Uh, I know it's here. Yeah, 33 and 35. 33 through 35. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the, the Midianites are coming up. They're about to attack the Israelites. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizrites were, were called out to follow him. And, and, the, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they, were, they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they all went up to meet him. As the Spirit, so, so God says, you're mighty. You are capable. 
you are a mighty man of valor. Gideon struggles to believe this, but then he accepts, you know, all right, God, you've called me mighty. I know where my, my might comes from, and it's not going to come from myself. And then immediately after, the Spirit of the Lord literally comes upon Gideon. The Holy Spirit is sent to Gideon to empower, empower and equip him. So he has this spirit, and then what's he do? He summons 32,000 people that we find out. 32,000 people that this lowly, just Gideon, nobody. He says, you know what? I have, this, I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just try something. We're going to go ask for help. And he musters 32,000 people to march against the Midianites. He says, you know, we're not going to sit and take this seven years of oppression anymore. We're done with it. And this is a pretty crazy and mighty thing that Gideon is doing. And this is the first time I think we really see Gideon kind of take hold of like, hey, you know what? I'm mighty. I think I might be able to do this. The Spirit of the Lord strengthened and equipped him for war and a summoning of, of, of tens of thousands. So I say this, I say know where your might comes from or know your might because what I'm saying is to know that if God is calling you, which he is, then he is equipping you with his might through his Spirit. His Spirit is with you. You are able. You don't have to accept any identity that that someone else is giving you, that is hurting you, that is tearing you down, that says that you are not enough, that you're not strong enough, that you don't have enough friends, you don't have all this stuff. God is saying you are enough because I've chosen you to be enough. You can do it. I'm giving you a new identity. I'm giving you my spirit. And you are made mighty through his spirit. So know where your might comes from. Know your might. So after Gideon, he has his 32,000 people. 32,000 soldiers. God does something pretty crazy. As they begin to move towards the Midianites, they have 32,000 soldiers. God says, hey, you know what? You know what, Gideon, I think that's a little too much. And now we're in chapter 7 at this point. God says, you know what, Gideon, that 32,000 is a little too much. I don't want it to take away from how, how let's just be honest, how, how cool God is, how powerful God is. God's like, you know what? I don't need 32,000, Gideon, believe it or not. So go ahead and get rid of them. So through two tests, Gideon has two tests of getting rid of people. So now they're down to 300. Gideon has 300 soldiers to march against the Midianites. That's a pretty wild, wild situation. So let's see what happens next with Gideon and his 300 men. I'll be in Judges chapter 7 now, 9 through 22. It says it'll be up on the screen. It says this, That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But... If you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. You shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, so he's still afraid. He went down with Purah, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance." When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and, and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down, so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. And as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars uh, with torches inside the jars. 
And he said to him, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands as torches and in the right hands the trumpets to blow and they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp uh, and all the army ran. They cried, and, they cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beshita towards Zeria, as far as the border of Abel, Mehola, and Tabith. So if this doesn't just shake you about what God is doing, then, then let me just try to, try to help it elaborate a little bit more. So the, the army of the Midianites was huge. It says the camels were like, like sand on a seashore. The camels, not the soldiers, but the camels. And Gideon is now stuck with 300 men. So Gideon's like, ah, okay, you know what? Maybe this is a horrible idea. This is, not the, but this is not the smartest thing I've ever done in my entire life. This is a scary deal. But then Gideon does as the Lord commands him with fear. He says, God says, if you're still scared, take prayer of your servant. And so what does Gideon do? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to take prayer of my servant because I'm still scared. This is that whole thing, right? Gideon, this, this becoming mighty is still a process. We still, he, him still learning how to become mighty. And so, the, so he goes down to hear this dream and the interpretation of it. And the dream confirmed everything that the Lord had been telling Gideon this whole time. The dream confirmed everything. It says, you know what? Uh, uh, the Lord is going to give this camp into the hand of Gideon and, and the, battle's, the battle's already won. So Gideon now has a, has a little bit of confidence. Now he's feeling pretty good about himself. And it's in, it's in this uh, that, that he does something, uh, one of the most bold things that I think he could have done. He, he came up with a pretty ridiculous plan, a pretty, pretty silly, uh, wild plan. He, he says, let's go, let's go surround the camp with torches and trumpets. Now, we don't need swords, don't need bows, don't, don't take your armor, your shields, we don't need any of that. We're, rather, we're going to surround this camp with trumpets and torches. This is his plan. He says, we're going to smash, uh, we'll smash the jars and we'll raise the torches and we'll blow our trumpets and we'll shout for the Lord and, and we're going to win. That's what he tells us, 300 men. Man, if I was one of those 300 men, I'd be like, yo, Gideon, I don't know what, I, man, I, just, I, I don't know. I don't know. But they say, all right, Gideon, whatever it is, Let's do this. And I think it's pretty evident that this is not the Gideon that we've seen a, a, a chapter ago. This is not that Gideon. This is a totally changed Gideon. This is a Gideon with the Holy Spirit. This is a Gideon who's accept a new identity that he's given himself, that the Lord has given him. This is a totally new, radical, mighty, bold Gideon. So, so he goes through this process uh, of, becoming, uh, of, of becoming mighty, he begins to realize where his might comes from. And then what's he do? He, he worships. Right when he found out that the victory was his, he, he just worshiped. Right there, right next to the camp. He didn't leave anywhere else. He paused and he just praised God. So that leads me to my third point. My third and kind of final point here is that we become mighty when we worship. We become mighty when we worship. When we, we've, we just totally surrender to the Holy Spirit. We fill up on that spirit and we shout for victory, because the victory is yours, the victory is ours. And I think it's, I think it's evident, it's, it's after Gideon worships, 
that he has this mighty, awesome, powerful victory. It's after his army worships and they're surrounding the camp and they're praising, they're shouting. It's after that that we, they have this mighty, powerful, amazing victory. It's in this, it's, it's in this worship that we kind of see way back in chapter 6 that Gideon has become this mighty man of valor. It's in this worship. It's in this awesome, uh, sold-out worship. And I think there's a big truth that's going on about this worship. So let me try to explain this the best I can. So they have in their right hands, it says they have trumpets. And in their left hands, they have, they have torches that, that had a jar on it. So when they went to surround the camp, they're raising up their right hand. They blew on the trumpets. They raised their right hand. And they smashed these jars. And they have these torches in their left hand. Then they're shouting. This is this, this picture of worship that we do all the time. Right? Some of us just did this. This awesome picture of worship. And so catch this. In the right hand, this would be socially, people would say this is your dominant, the right hand at the time. This is the strong hand, the powerful hand. So at the time, they're holding up these trumpets, which at the time trumpet would mean this is a, this is sound, a sound of victory. Like it could also be a sound of a charge. Like, hey, we're going to go attack. But they'd also blow these trumpets as a victorious sound. We see in Revelation when Jesus comes back, there's these awesome sounds of trumpets because the victory's here. We've won. So in the right hand, they're holding up a victory, a strong, a powerful, mighty victory. They're holding up their surrender to say, you know what, this victory is ours when odds are totally stacked against us. But we have God, and you know what, this is a strong victory that I don't have to, I don't have to be scared. So they're holding this up, and in their left hand, this would be socially, they'd say this is, the, this is the weak hand. This is the weak hand, and what do they hold up? They hold up a, 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 a torch. They hold up a flame. At the time, flame would, be, flame would mean power. It would mean just strength. So in, in all their weaknesses, in all of our weaknesses, right, they're holding up in, the, in this weak left hand, they're holding up the power of God. They're holding up strength. Earlier, God shows his power uh, with getting, he, he sets ablaze that food. He's showing his power through this symbol of fire. And now they're holding up this torch of like, hey, you know, in all my weaknesses, Gideon saying, in all my weaknesses, which God has clearly pointed out my weaknesses, he's also pointing out all of his strengths. I'm just going to hold this up. And not only am I going to hold up the power of God in my, in my weakness, but I'm also going to hold up uh, this amazing, strong, powerful victory that is given to me. So there's this awesome, beautiful picture, I think, of these guys surrounding an entire camp, holding up this symbol of worship. And they're saying, you know, this is going to be a strong victory because it's God. And we're all, everywhere that we're, we're, where we are weak, where we're only 300 when there are thousands and thousands, God is strong. God is strong. So it's this awesome, beautiful picture of hands surrendered. And when we worship like this, when, we, when these truths consume our hearts and, and cling to us, I think it's in this that we can become mighty. I think it's in that that we become mighty. So my closing thought, my closing thought is, What's your takeaway? What's your takeaway? I love the story of Gideon again because it's about all these things and the Lord teaches us something different each time. Each time that we could read the story of Gideon, I think it, it can teach us something new. It can, can show us something entirely new. And I think the heart of the narrative, I think the heart of the narrative is a man accepting the call that the Lord has given him. I think that's really kind of the, the main goal of this story. It's, it's this guy accepting this call to become this mighty man of valor that he is. 
I think that's it. But maybe for you, maybe for you, this mess is not about becoming mighty. Maybe for you, it's, it's about just listening to the Lord as he gives you a new identity. Maybe right now there's lots of things that you believe about yourself that are just not true. And so for you, what, what you need to hear is that, man, God gives us a new identity. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his strength, his power, his wisdom, his love, his grace. Maybe for you, it's just listening to God and saying, you know what? I will be strong enough because God makes me strong enough. You are his and he wants to use you in mighty, powerful ways. Maybe for someone else, this is a message just about overcoming fear. There's some fear, there's some anxiety in your life, there's some doubts in your life. And today you just needed to hear a little something about some guy who took all these fears, who took all these doubts, all these beliefs about, you know what, I just don't know, I, I can't foresee this happening. A guy who's literally living in fear, he's hiding in caves, he's hiding in holes, become totally victorious through the Spirit of God. Maybe that's what you need to hear. Maybe today you're wondering, yo, who is this God? Who is this God that transforms people? Who is this God that totally gives people new hearts? Who coats them with the Holy Spirit? Who is that God? And I got to know a little bit more about him. So my prayer, my prayer for every heart here is that you would respond how you need to. After service, we'll have some people in the back. If you just need prayer, if you need to ask some questions, say, you know what? I, I got to know a little bit more about this story. I got to know a little bit more about who this God is. I, I pray that you, you would submit to that and, and come ask, ask questions. But maybe some of you say, you know, I got some fears. I got some doubts. I got some beliefs about myself that I know are not true. Let's pray. Let's pray because I know that God has a new identity for you. He has a spirit to give you. It's ready. So I'm going to pray for us. We'll move on. I'll, I'll hand it over to Matt. And I, I just, I, I pray that as we dismiss, you respond how you need to. Jesus, we love you. How you are strong, you are mighty and powerful. And God, you teach us so many things all the time. So I pray that we wouldn't run away from what you're teaching us. God, I pray for every heart here that they would, they would chase after what you're telling them. I pray that every heart here would hold fast to the process of becoming mighty. I pray that they would know that in Christ, they are more mighty than they could be ever than by themselves. As you make us so much stronger than we could be by ourselves. And I, but I pray that everyone could understand that their might is made greater when they worship. So I pray that we would just surrender to you that we would, we would raise our hands and worship and praise the God of the universe who gives us new identity, who gives us hope, who gives us peace. God, you are, you are so, so good to us. And I pray that we wouldn't run away from that, but rather we'd press into it. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.